Falcons Audible presented by AT&T is back with the crew is back in town. It's been almost four weeks to the day Unbelievable. since we sat down and we recapped the uh, 2023 season. And it, of course, came on the heels of the dismissal of Arthur Smith as the head coach. And we told you after that podcast that we would bat- be back for the bigger moments that happen in the offseason. Obviously, a big moment is recapping the Atlanta Falcons new head football coach. I'm Derek Rackley. This is DJ Shockley and Dave Archer, the crew is back together. We're going to talk about the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Raheem Morris, the couple of coordinators. He's making some splashes as far as filling out his coaching staff, but we are going to talk about what this team is going to look like under new leadership. Obviously, it's not a a new face to the Atlanta Falcons organization, a guy that had been here for a number of years back in the Dan Quinn regime uh, with this team that went to the Super Bowl, and he was asked about that. He was asked about the pain and agony of uh, living through that loss of the Super Bowl season. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So, guys, uh, Raheem Morris had his opening press conference yesterday as we taped this podcast. So there was a lot of energy in the room. He got a chance to meet with the media. I uh, got a chance to see him in the black and the red. Um, and talked a little bit about his vision, how he has changed as um, a head football coach since his days here in Atlanta and how he has grown over the last few years um, in the L.A. Rams organization. So, Shock, I'm going to start with you just because he ended up giving you a shout-out during the press conference yesterday saying that you had a, a mean mug or a serious face going on and that he was going to get you to smile. Yeah. I'm assuming you smiled right I after did, he I said did. that. I did, I did. Um, I did. Just give us your initial impressions of what you thought of Raheem Morris in his press conference yesterday. I mean, first off, it'd probably be really weird if I'm just sitting back there and I'm just looking at him and I'm just smiling. I think that'd probably be weird <laughs> if he looks over and I'm just just cheesing at him. So, I don't know. I, I guess I had a serious face, but I was locked in, man. I, I was uh, really intrigued by all the things he was saying. And to be honest, I thought everything he did from the, the, the moment that he was was signed as the head coach has been authentic. I think it's been positive. I think it's been real. I think uh, the knowledge that he brings, the things that he talks about wanting for this organization. I think if you watch that press conference, you know exactly who Raheem Morris is. You know exactly what he's about. You know he's not going to be stiff. You know he's not going to be uptight. He understands the landscape of this community. He understands the landscape of this team, this organization. I mean, this is a guy who went and left the Falcons but was still hanging out with the owner. I mean, that tells you the kind of rapport he has with the owner and some of the things that he learned. You talked about uh, what he what he's learned from the time he left to the time he's come back. And uh, one thing stuck out to me, he said, I wanted to grow, learn, and develop. And I think we can look at any person in any job. You say, okay, if you were somewhere three years ago, you would hope that things have changed for you over a three-year span. And I think playing, I mean, coaching in Super Bowls, uh, coaching guys like Stafford, coaching guys like Matt Ryan, and seeing what success looks like, I think he understands what this job is all about. And I just love the fact that he was excited to be the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Like, there was conversation within the press conference where people, you know, were asking Greg Beatles about Belichick, and they were asking about all these other kind of people, and they asked him about it as well. And I love what he said. He said, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they had 14 candidates. Those guys were uh, very good. They got, also got other jobs. But at the end of the day, this was about me. This was about me trying to put my best foot forward and be the best guy and coach I can and, and just show them what I'm about. And ultimately, that's all it came down to. And I think ultimately when you watch him, 
you know what you get him, and he's one of those kind of guys you want to root for. And you can see why players want to play for him. You can see why coaches wanted to stay here and and coach with him. Uh, so it, it's going to be a fun ride, I think. And I just love the fact that he's back and he understands what the Red and Black is about, what Arthur Blank is about, what this organization is about, what this city wants and needs. And he absolutely, uh, I thought he brought it and crushed it in his press conference. DJ, you mentioned the fact that he t- they talked about Bill Belichick, and, and he kind of praised him for a little while, but it was interesting the fact that he went right back to this is a competition. No doubt. And he just realized that he was in a competition just like the other 13 candidates were to get this job, and and he's trying to be as authentic and real and present his plan. Um, and in the end, he won that competition. Sure. So you got to give him credit, not taking anything away from Bill Belichick or any of the other candidates. Arch, but he came in and he talked about a lot of things. He talked about coming home, which I thought was really interesting. He mentioned that on a number of occasions. One of his big words that he used in the press conference was collaboration. Mm. He's excited to collaborate with all the different minds, the brains, all the different people that have been around football in his organization. Was those two things stick out to you or something else stick out to you as far as what his message was yesterday? Well, the first thing that sticks out about Raheem is I've been around a lot of people because I've unfortunately been around a long time, (laughs) but I've been around a lot of coaches and and a lot of different – at the college and pro level. And there's very few guys you can say this about, but he makes you feel better about yourself when you're done talking to him. And I I began to think about that on my way home from the press conference. I feel better about myself having hung out with Raheem (laughs) yesterday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, That permeates your team. Your team feels that. You feel better about yourself as a player, as a person, because being around Raheem. He's got an electric personality. Um, What you saw there, his smile, I compared his smile to Magic Johnson's smile or Robert Redford's smile. I mean, it's infectious. It draws you in. And then the things he has to say uh, even pull you in further. He's a tremendous listener to what you guys are talking about in the fact of collaboration. You have to listen if you're going to collaborate. You can't be the one talking all the time. He talked about his collaboration with Terry and with everybody else in the building. Greg Beatles, who did an excellent job yesterday as our president uh, there at the press conference, but collaborating with all those people. Um, And then if you get down to the nuts and bolts of this thing, okay, it's great he's a listener, he's a good guy, and hey, you want to have barbecue with him or whatever. The dude has coached on both sides of the football. He's coordinated defenses. He's run a pass game operation here in Atlanta where he was coaching the likes of Julio Jones and the guys like that, and he's helped put together game plans on the offensive side of the football. So you have a, you have a football coach that's taken over that understands both sides of the ball and understands them to the nth degree. I watched him on this practice field grill our secondary when they put him back in charge of the defense. Remember coaching oh, yeah. receivers first? They put him back in charge of the secondary. He grilled him for 45 minutes after practice to get him ready to go. He was doing the same thing with the receiver core prior to taking over the defense. This guy's ready for this opportunity. And he the one quote that I remember he said, and it it goes back to what Shock was talking about getting better. Somebody asked him, you feel like you kind of got slighted by not getting the job in 20 when you took over as as the interim coach. 
He said, what I took that as is I needed to be better. I needed to go get better. And it goes to what Shock was talking about in every facet. And so he went to L.A. and he really retooled his deals. He got back to what he needed to do from a basic standpoint. He's a better coach today than he was when he left. Archie talked about his presence at the press conference yesterday. And as I was listening to it, I wrote down some things that stuck out to me. Just some words, and hopefully you guys would agree with this. Engaging, passionate, laser-focused experienced, I wrote down collaboration because they talked about that a lot, professional, eloquent, very good speaker, right? Like very good with his words, uh, excitable, clear vision. These are all the things that I wrote down, just kind of listening to Raheem Morris. But I also wrote down, they asked him about, this is a tough question at a press conference, right? They asked him what's going to constitute a successful season next year outside of the quantitative, the numbers. And he says if we execute what he calls his four pillars, okay? Okay, which were, do we execute, do we play with good fundamentals, do we control the football, and do we play with a physicality? And those things I kind of thought about for a second while he's continuing to talk, and I said, you know what? I mean, you could probably coach speak a lot of different terms, guys, and pillars, but these four things right here, you got a pretty good chance of winning football games if you can execute those four teams, which obviously execution is one of them. Um, And, DJ, I think he said my goal is – First and foremost, win the NFC South. You never know what's going to happen in the postseason. Yeah, and I think to take it a step further, he talked about the process to get to those results. And those pillars are absolutely the process you need to get to results, which are wins, which what everybody wants. And I think he did a great job of not trying to pigeonhole himself to say, all right, we got to make sure we can have more than seven wins or make sure that you know we do X, Y, and Z. He laid out, if we do these type of things, the results will come. Another thing that, that stuck out to me when, when I thought about it, and Art, you mentioned it, and the thing that comes to my mind is he has no ego. He talked about not wanting to be the smartest guy in the room. He wanted to surround himself with people who are smarter, and it goes back to what Archie said, he knows if he can listen to those people, he's had a greater chance of being successful. And I think that also it stuck out. Another thing was, which is, you know, he addressed it head on, and I loved it. Um, he talked about being the first black head coach in this history of this organization. And the thing that stuck out to me was he humanized himself with what that meant to him. He said, yeah, it's about the guys that's going to come after me. But then he, he looked at his son and said, it's about – my son understanding how important this is. And for any dad who's got kids or got a son and you understand, you know, he's watching everything you do. You got a daughter. They watch everything you do. And the fact that he can have that title, that's something that he can always, you know, say, hey, your dad did this and now he, he living up to it. So I, I love the fact that he humanized himself in that moment, didn't make it more about him. But then he also, he made it a bigger point to say, you know what? This wasn't even a part of the conversation when we talked to Arthur Blank. He didn't even bring this up. This yep. wasn't even something that, okay, let's make it a big deal that we are the first to do this. He said, we didn't even talk about it. Mm-hmm. And when we and when it was brought up to me, that's when I kind of realized, like, oh, wow, this is a pretty big thing. But I love the fact that he made it known that, yeah, this is a huge, huge uh, point. This is a huge monumental thing. But at the end of the day, it wasn't all about that. And I thought that was pretty cool for him to kind of highlight that point in the press conference about it. He understands the bigger picture of it, but at the end of the day, the guys who hired him wanted him for him, not because of the quote-unquote 
Rooney rule, all that kind of stuff right. that goes along with it. So I love that part of it. You know, another interesting question that was asked was, um, Arch, about the the pressure because it was it was Raheem and Terry, and it's going to be you know you have an owner that's desperate to win, and Arthur Blank, and and he still re- remembers the Super Bowl and le- leading halfway through the third quarter and losing the Super Bowl, and you have an owner that wants to win now, and you have a general manager going into his fourth year, and and do you feel the pressure? And he just kind of he said, if you're coaching in the NFL and you can't deal with pressure, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> And I love the fact that he just kind of addressed that head on and said that this is what we all sign up for when we decide to either work as a coach or in a personnel department of an NFL. Is you If you can't live in a pressure cooker arch, this is not the business for you. No, and I think that anybody that gets into the business, it's that's not exclusive to Raheem. I think anybody in the business understands that part of it, right? I mean, this is a very exclusive club. There's 32 teams. There's 32 head coaches. There's 32 starting quarterbacks. I mean, so that that's part of the deal. So I was not surprised that he shied away from that. I just was very impressed with his poise. Uh, he was very prepared as to what he wanted to say. There were a lot of screwy questions in the press conference, I thought, that really didn't have anything to do with anything uh, that he handled like a champ. So he was outstanding there, and I know a lot of people are ready for him to hit the ground running and go coach. You know, oddly enough, Arch, um, I don't feel like there was somebody really asked him at first, but he did make a mention about the elephant in the room being the quarterback mm-hmm. position. Um, and they and they, I think they did a good job of talking about it, but also realizing that right now that's not necessarily the number one thing on their list. Although they're probably doing some due diligence behind closed doors that they're not letting us know about. Sure. <laughs> um, but the fact was, his goal right now is continuing to fill out his staff. And then Terry and his staff, along with Raheem and the coaches, starting to go through the process of figuring out what's going to happen next, leaving no stone unturned, whether that's through free agency, through the draft, through a trade. Um, But it kind of leads me into the next part of our discussion, Arch, was the fact that he did talk about his offensive coordinator and Zach Robinson coming over with, with him from the Los Angeles Rams organization, 37 years old. Maybe a little bit younger as far as the coaching ranks goes, but I think when you're in that organization with a Sean McVay and the type of things that he does offensively, you're going to accelerate your growth. <laughs> um, he Raheem was very passionate when he was talking about Zach. He was talking about his ability to connect with quarterbacks. He started with Jared Goff last couple of years with Matt Stafford. And obviously Matt Stafford has executed that offense to the T over the last couple of years. What are your initial thoughts about the new offensive coordinator that, that Raheem is bringing with him? Well, first of all, he played the position, which I think is a big deal. For I think sure. he's, he was a really good quarterback in college at Oklahoma State. Uh, he got a chance to be in the league for a little while, but uh, more, than, more than the league is his experiences around the coaching ranks. He's coached the quarterbacks. He's been a pass game coordinator. He's been an assistant wide receiver coach. So he's coached all facets of the skill position there. So he understands the pass game part of it. Make no mistake, there's going to be a learning curve here with mm-hmm. Zach, Zach Robinson. But what he was compared to, and Raheem went out of his way to compare him to a young Kyle Shanahan, who mm-hmm. he worked with. He's compared him to a young Sean McVay, who he's worked with. So these are guys that have a very similar characteristics that he sees in Zach Robinson. Uh, you know, you, you look at the young coordinator in, in San Francisco that got the coordinator job, or he was a pass game coordinator, got the coordinator job in Houston this year, Bobby Sloy. He's from the same scenario, same same uh, background. Yep. Uh, that's where Zach Robinson's coming from. So if you want to start to kind of dissect what they're going to do offensively, I asked Raheem, I said, does it, you, you hired a number of guys from the Rams staff. You hired 
three or four guys from the Charger staff as well. Does this mean you're going to kind of you know migrate towards what the Rams were doing on offense? He goes, not at all. He says, what we're going to do is we're going to blend what we do to the people we have in our building. We know that there's two outstanding tight ends in the building. We know there's two outstanding running backs in the building. We've got an outstanding wide receiver with potential to maybe get another two or or continue to have a couple of guys that are already on the roster. So they're going to mold what they're going to do offensively, not to what the Rams were doing. I know there's been a lot of conversation. Hey, there are 11 personnel, so the Falcons, are they don't have the right people to play 11 personnel. That doesn't have anything to do with it. What they're going to do is they're going to mold this operation to what they have in the building and add pieces to it. So don't get caught up in all that kind of stuff. But there is going to be a learning curve. He's not called the plays. He's been in charge of talking. He's talking to McVeigh in his ear uh, on the sideline. So he's a part of play calling, but is he calling the play right out? That's going to be part of the learning curve. And and guys, I did a little bit of a breakdown uh, last week on on some of the things that that maybe Atlanta can expect. But you're right, it's going to be a different personnel. But the difference is, is Zach Robinson has been with Sean McVay in the meetings. He's understood how he has broken down opponents and how he has found ways to get people open and move the football. I think it's it's important to note that Robinson was been but was on the same staff this year as Puka Nakua, who came out of nowhere and absolutely dominated in the passing game this year. And then Kyron Williams had an outstanding season running the football as well. So they had both the run and the pass element, and he was uniquely involved in that entire process, DJ. And yes, personnel is different, but understanding schemes, concepts, how to get players open, I think that's what he's going to help bring to the table. Not to say that Arthur Smith couldn't do it, but they've got to find ways to get more explosive plays downfield, get guys open in space so they can do what they can with the football. I think those are the things that Robinson is going to try to bring over to Atlanta. And I think the good thing about it is the last couple years he's had, and he's been around a unit that's been kind of up and down, a little inconsistent. You talk about two years ago where, you know, after going to the Super Bowl and won it all, you come out the next year and you struggle. And Raheem talked about in this press conference about we learned so much about ourselves during that time, and then the following year we got better. And I think he, being a part of that staff for the last few years, watching Sean McVay go through it, watching the offensive staff have to find ways to identify who can be our best players in these situations. Talking about Puka, a guy who had 1,400 yards, nobody expected, but they find ways to get him open. Cooper Cup, obviously, is a guy who's been around the league and done a great job for the for the Rams over the past few years. And having a, a quarterback in Stafford who people may have thought, hey, after the Super Bowl or maybe after that following year, he was going the other way. And this year they're back in the playoffs with 10 wins and you know trying to do some, some other big things. So I think the fact that he was on – those teams and being able to see how to overcome those things is going to be huge. And Raheem even pointed out, hey, this guy's done it in preseason. He's, he, he's, you know, there's certain situations in practice where they put these coaches up to bat and say, all right, today you're going to call the one-minute stuff. Today you're going to call red zone. Mm-hmm. So for people thinking he just doesn't come and have any kind of knowledge of calling plays, yeah, they put in the in place for him to do it. Now, going out and do it on Sundays when it really matters, that's a whole other story. And that's something like Arch has mentioned that they're going to have to work through. But there's plenty of time to get to that point with all the stuff you can do in an offseason that helps you prepare. But I think the number one thing that, that Arch mentioned was being able to, you know, have know the guys you have in this building, but then also be able to mold your style with those guys. And I think some of the best play callers, some of the best coaches – 
they don't just call plays. They call in plays for their players. And, and we've heard it all the time. It's always about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. So uh, we've seen coaches go around and say, all right, this is my system, and they forget about personnel and it doesn't work out. When you find the plays that fit your personnel, ultimately I think that's what helps a, a, a play caller be successful. I mean, I think if you look across the league, I mean, Andy Reid does a pretty good job of finding ways to get the ball to Travis Kelsey. Sure. And and you even go back a few years before that, the offense probably looked different when they had Tyreek Hill because they knew they had somebody that could run past the defense. And so they utilized the skill set there. If you look out in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's got a little bit of both. He's got tight end, he's got fullback, he's got wide receivers. He's got the full complement, uses all of them, right? So Raheem also made the comment yesterday when he was talking about this job and, and whether or not he was going to be a candidate. I remember him saying – Terry, make the call. <laughs> Terry, make the yeah. call. Wanting him to call him because I think Raheem understood this job was open, and they're not dumb. They know what's going on across the league. They see Bijan Robinson. They sure. see Kyle Pitts. They see Drake London. They see Tyler Algier. They see an offensive line that's pretty much entirely intact. They see a defense that improved. So, yeah, there's probably a reason why Raheem was like, not only do I know this place, I've been there before, but they got some skill players. They got some talent there. We just need to take it to the next level. So, guys. Well, we, really, real quick, a yeah. funny story about the phone call now, and, and they shared this in a deal I did yesterday with them, in that uh, you're you're correct, and he said it in the press conference. He says, Terry, make the call and make the call. Terry makes the call. Okay, Raheem's due to go to Seattle to interview. Okay, and Terry makes the call, and Raheem doesn't pick up. And so – He's thinking, okay, so he's trying to call him again, and he doesn't pick up. He keeps going to voicemail, and Raheem described. Raheem said yesterday, because I was in a bad cell area, man, and I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine that once they make the decision, okay, a, an unbelievably diligent operation to interview fourteen different coaches and four different guys twice, and all the things they went through, and they finally say, you know what, Ra's the guy. We got to get so get him on the phone. Let's let's tell him, hey, we want you to come. If you want to come here, we want you right here. And he couldn't get hold of him. Uh, <laughs> and I say, Terry said his heart was in his throat. His thumb, he's trying to find out where where, where is he? Where is he? Because they knew he was due to go Seattle. Fortunately, we got the tower working and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> and we got right. I thought that was a pretty cool story that they shared yesterday. I mean, a panic moment, right? Like we got our head coach, we yeah. can't get the guy to pick up the phone. <laughs> here, here, here's another cool story. I, I got a chance to. Similar to Arthur, sit down with uh, both Terry and Arth, uh, Terry and Raheem yesterday, and um, just talking about them building their relationship and building, you know, this bond you have with a GM and a head coach. And Ross standing off to the side, and I just finished with Terry. Terry stands up, and uh, he, all you hear is Terry yell at Ross, "Don't leave me! Don't leave me!" And then Ross says. Oh, you going to dinner? He was like, oh, yeah, I'm going. But you was about to leave me, weren't you? You can't leave me. I need to come with you. And this is them with the back and forth. And Ross, I'm ready to eat. Let's go. And we try to get a picture, all this kind of stuff. But just that kind of friendly banter. I mean, you've seen probably the pictures of them laughing. And that's the kind of relationship you want to build. And I think it's only going to be stronger. And it, it, it makes sense how if you got a guy you really want, how Terry felt in that moment, not being able to get in touch with Ra, who is his guy for the job. So it, it, it just brought me back to that relationship going back and forth that, like, man, he really wanted Raheem to be here. And just to tie that whole thing up, he made another comment at the beginning of his press conference saying that he went to L.A., that he was jealous of the relationship of Les Sneed and Sean mm -hmm. McVay. Yeah. 
And I thought that was really kind of telling, right? Like yeah. that to me is a guy saying, I want to be back in that role and I want to have my relationship with the general manager to look like that. And to your point, DJ and Arch, like that's probably what he's starting right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like he said, you know what? I was jealous in LA and I'm going to have it here in Atlanta. This guy right here, this general manager, he and I are going to be in lockstep the entire way. And Rod loves FaceTime, too. We, 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 right, we, that we too, found right? that yeah, out. Yeah, he does. Turn to FaceTime. <laughs> All right, so we talked about the head coach. We talked about the offensive side. Let's let's move it over to the defensive side real quick. And, Shock, I'll come right back to you. Um, Rod ends up bringing over Jimmy Lake, who is a guy that he's had some history with back in his Tampa days. Um, followed his career, uh, obviously worked his way back through the college ranks, kind of grinding his way up the totem pole, head coaching, stepped back into the NFL, um, and he feels like this is the guy. Mm -hmm. This is the guy that's going to continue to lead this Atlanta Falcons defense, take it to the next level. So what were your initial thoughts when you heard about Jimmy Lake being named as the defensive coordinator? You know, you, you go back and you look at, some of the stuff that he's done, where he's been. And you talk about the relationship he had going back with Raw, going all the way back to 2007. You talk about having a relationship with a guy for that long, and you talk about when he initially begins to talk about Jimmy Lake, you can see him kind of light up and kind of be excited about having this guy a part of it, knowing that he has what they call like-mindedness when they talk about calling defensive plays and schemes, uh, having the ability that he's called it on the college rank. The fact that he left and then he came back last year and was a part of this, part of the Rams you know, team last year, worked side-by-side side with Raheem. So what other guy you would want to be next to you than the guy who was locking step with you over the last well, last year and showing you exactly, okay, this is the kind of stuff we like to do and bringing a guy in. And, I, and Roth talked about it. This is a people business. I want people around me that I enjoy being around. And he talked about Jimmy Lake being one of those type of guys and having that same mindset of the things I like to do. So it makes it easier for him. And he said, hey, I'm coming to this position. And he was already thinking about what can I do differently in this role. And people ask, Rod, hey, you're going to call plays. You're going to be the defensive coordinator. He said, hey, I want both my guys to be able to call the plays because I want to be a total head coach. And that doesn't happen unless he trusts his his offensive coordinator trusts Jimmy Lake to be the defensive coordinator and make the right call. So I, I love the fact that he brought in somebody that he feels comfortable with and has the ability to be able to call the plays, but also a guy he is very familiar with. And you talk about, you know, he coming to a, a situation, and Rod talked about it yesterday, where all three levels, you have experienced guys. Grady on your motto up front. Kagan Ellis, who played a bunch of ball for you. Lambing, a guy who – Pro Bowl caliber type player. Troy Anderson, a young guy who was hurt last year but still has the ability to play there. A.J., Jesse, all pro on the back end. All three levels, you have areas to build. So if you're a defensive quarter, you're looking at it like, okay, this is not a bare cabinet. I come to here with, as you all just mentioned, a defense that's already improved from one season to the next, and now you bring in a guy who's done it at the highest level and with your head coach understanding what it takes to be good on that side of the ball. Think's a perfect fit. Yeah, and I think the other piece to that is certainly raw calling defenses over the last few seasons for for the Ram team, and Jimmy Lake being with him last year. So talk about the like mindedness. Don't forget Jerry Gray was brought back to this mm -hmm. group. Jerry did an incredible job with the secondary. 
It wasn't an accident that guys were in position to make interceptions. Jesse Bates had a monster year, but there's guys making plays in that back end. So Jerry Gray comes back, and so you've got a defensive staff staff that has uh, Jimmy Lake, who's been a head coach and now going to be a D coordinator. You've got a guy that's a head coach that was the defensive coordinator, and you've got Jerry Gray, who was a defensive coordinator himself. You talk about loaded on the defensive side of the football from a coaching staff standpoint. Phenomenal. I I think that Jimmy, Jimmy Lake steps into a really good situation where, again, not all loaded on one guy. Remember, Raheem talked about you know listening and being collaborative. You mentioned the word collaborative. That's what the thing's going to be on defense. Now, Jimmy will call the defense he plays, as Shock just talked about. Mm-hmm. But think about Jerry Gray upstairs. Looks to his side, and there's Raheem Morris standing right next <laughs> to him. I like that situation. Yeah. This is a situation, guys. We talk about the Falcons every week, so people could say that we're biased. Um, three seasons missing the playoffs. Three seasons at seven and ten. However, if you if you you mentioned the cabinet is not bare. This is not, in my opinion, and guys, I'm, I'm assuming that you're in my camp, but I don't want to speak for you. This is not a situation where a head coach is coming in and he's got to completely rebuild this organization. This is a team that has talent. Do they have a major, major decision ahead of them? Yes, they got to find a quarterback. That ha- that has to be answered. Uh, and Raheem talked about that yesterday. He said, I was, I've been around some of the elite processors of the league, the Matthew Staffords, the Matt Ryans of the world. Um, so he's seen what it looks like, and it's his job now, along with Terry and the rest of the personnel department, to figure that out and get it right because this team is only going to go so far as the trigger man behind it. And and you can say all you want, but, guys, there's the days of the Trent Dilfers with the defense that the Baltimore Ravens had back when Ray Lewis was playing just doesn't happen anymore. you got to have a guy that can sling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Raheem saw one the last few years in Matthew Stafford. The young man can sling it now. Uh, DJ, you know all about him from the Georgia sure. days. Um, not sitting it's there funny, sick. I keep hearing about how the 49ers don't have one of those guys. Right. I keep hearing about all the pieces around <laughs> the guy, and they don't have a guy. I don't know. There's, I, there's, I don't know. there's one particular quarterback in particular that we played against that was – North of here that keeps talking about how game man- – all quarterbacks are game managers, by the way. <laughs> I just had to pick that bone for a second. I, <laughs> evidently, there's there's some guy – I think you make a great point. Obviously, the elephant in the room that he talked about was the quarterback situation. Yeah. I asked I asked Raw yesterday, I said, what does this tell you, Raw? You've got five guys that made play, that played the playoffs that you would categorize as pocket passers, Okay. You had six guys that are guys that can move around, like a like McHolmes that will move around, not looking to run. He will if he needs to. Brock Purdy will move around if he needs to, but he's looking to throw the ball on time if he can, but he can create out of the pocket. And you had three guys that were, were guys that you would factor in the run game with. You know, Josh Allen, you want run game. Lamar Jackson, you're going you're gonna to run game with him. Okay, So you had three of those guys. So 14 different quarterbacks – and you had three distinctive different ways of doing. I said, "What's that tell you?" He says, "All we got to do is put a guy in a position where we can win with anybody." No doubt. He says, "What I have to do, and you said it, I got to have a guy that can process and make decisions on time. We're going to find that guy." And they talked about we could draft a guy, we could we could go get a guy in free agency, we might do both. And Terry looked at him when I was talking to him. Yeah, that's right. We could do both. We, what do you think, Terry? Could we do both? Draft the guy? <laughs> so this conversation, don't think that they haven't talked about this. Don't think that it's not on their mind. They understand. Fans out there, rest assured, that's something they're thinking about they're going to go get. And I'll add one thing. And he said it so quickly that I don't think people probably understood or picked it up. But we talk about the knowledge of Raheem. And say he's been on both sides. He's coached it. He understands. He knows. He's seen these guys. When he said this, I knew exactly that 
he knew exactly what he wanted and the kind of quarterback he was looking for, but also what it needs to be, what a guy needs to be to be good. He said, I love a guy who has a good base, he's balanced, he has a short hitch. I mean, he talked about it in very quick detail. He gave you a little bit of knowledge of the things that make quarterbacks successful in this league, and he kept going. Yeah. But it was so fun and so just it, it intrigued me that it wasn't just about, okay, this guy's got a big arm, this guy's got an experience. He's looking at the small, minute details of the guys that – are the next level guys and those guys do those things really well so that for me was ooh, i hear you Rob. yeah okay <laughs> you're talking my language over here speaking you know details so that that was one thing that that, that, that kind of stuck out to me was i guarantee you regardless of what he said in the press conference and he said they have limited conversations he knows exactly the kind of quarterback that he wants and arch just mentioned there are, you know three different ways to get it done and he knows exactly the guy that he needs to run this offense and how they're going to get it done. But the most difficult position in the NFL to evaluate. No yeah. question. Yeah, I mean, you, you had a, shoot, right? You had a number two Never overall know. pick rookie that took his team to the playoffs, and you had another quarterback that was the last pick in the seventh round that's yeah. taken his team to a Super Bowl. Uh-huh. I mean, what's that tell you about the position? Yeah. Sometimes it, it, you just have to knock it out of the park. Yeah, and and, and you got to have a men- there's a mentality attached. There's so many variables that are attached to the quarterback that you cannot measure. Okay, there's you know all the things you got to go through from the the ability to create to wh- how quickly does he process things? What's he going to do when adversity hits? Mm-hmm. You know, how is he going to handle negative the the criticism? That's a- there's so many things that the quarterback deals with all the time. I will say, guys, that I think there's some. Marquise Williams coming back as your is your special teams coordinator. Dwayne Ledford comes back as your offensive line coach. T.J. Yeah. Yates moves from wide receiver to quarterback, which is what he played in this league. And Michael Petrie returns. And don't think that's not a big deal because mm-hmm. this is a young backfield. Remember what Tyler Algier did his first year. Now look what B. John Robinson did his first year. And, yes, the talent and the ability of those players – but to have those guys dialed in every Sunday ready to play and know where they're supposed to be and think about the myriad of places you lined B. John Robinson up this last year and the more places this next year when he comes back, that's Michael Petrie, the running back coach, in that room with him, getting him prepared, getting those young guys prepared. I think some of the guys that are returning on this staff, major coup, major win for Raheem Morris and this organization to bring some of those guys back. Yeah, and Terry actually even talked about it yesterday. I mean, he said that there some of the coaches on this staff had opportunities to go other places, right. but they wanted to wait, they wanted and they to wanted to see if Raheem would have give him a chance to stay here because I think a lot of coaches, they understand where this organization is going and the talent that's there and probably a mutual respect for Raheem Morris. And so they waited. They held off on other opportunities, and they have a chance to, as you mentioned, the ones that are sticking around are going to be here on the staff. One last thing I want to kind of point out, and it speaks to, I think, who Raw is, and it kind of, I think, speaks to the confidence that he has. And when you watch him talk, this is exactly – how I feel he believes it. And he had a a really dynamic quote that I love. I wrote it down, hadn't heard it before. And he said, it's a mentality before it's even reality. Mm -hmm. And that stuck with me so hard. Like, you know, you have to believe it. Up here in this league, and you talk about the pressure, you talk about all the things that come with this job, all the things that comes with being in the NFL. The mentality that you bring to any situation, you have to believe before it ever comes true. 
and I and you hear him talk, and you could just say, "How's he so confident? How does he, you know, believe this is gonna turn it around? How does he believe X, Y, and Z?" He's got the mentality, so you got to believe. Your head coach, you always say it stops from the top. Your head coach, it's gonna permeate all the way through this team, and it's gonna be something that he stresses. And before they walk into any game, he's gonna understand psychologically. He's gonna have his team ready to go. I wrote it down too, DJ. <laughs> I wrote it down on yep. my sheet too. It was, it was very profound. Uh, but you're right. If he don't believe it, then how's he going to help make it happen? No doubt. Uh, folks, we could probably sit here and rap about football and coaching staffs and philosophies and wins and formations uh-uh. uh, until we become blue in the face. But we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We said we'd come back for the bigger moments of the offseason, so here we are. And we will be back again because there's going to be some other big moments coming up. Obviously, the combine, the draft, free agency opens up. Anytime some big news is going to happen, we'll likely be back here to recap it for you. That's DJ Shockley, Dave Archer, Derek Rackley recapping the head, new head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, Raheem Morris, had his press conference yesterday, excited about the future and all the pieces that will be coming into the puzzle as we come down the road. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back very soon with some more Falcons content for you. Thanks so much for checking us out. Good job, fellas. You all did a good job today, too, by the way, bro. Nice job, man.